On Friday, the Southern District of New York brought charges against me. I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that, allegations. My friends, how's it going? Welcome back. I'm super excited. Uh, we're going to have a great episode. So we're going to talk about Senator Bob Menendez and his uh, corruption case. Uh, and of course, like I always say, the goal here, I better turn my phone off. Too many people call me these days, you know, uh, asking for their money and stuff. <laughs> no, it's kidding. So uh, Bob Menendez and his little corruption case. And, and like I always say, my goal here is to teach the law, kind of how the procedures go, what happens, and through these funny and interesting cases. So this one being a senator who was allegedly bribed uh, on multiple occasions is very interesting. And you'll learn the law through this uh, interesting case. And of course, at the end, dad jokes. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll make them crazy this time. Okay, so let's just jump to it. So Bob Menendez is a senator, for, uh, a Democrat senator from the state of New Jersey. Um, he was born in 1954. Uh, what would that make him? Almost 70? Wait, let's see. My math is a little bit off these days right now. Uh, yeah, 70. <laughs> All right, 72, something like that. And he's got kind of an interesting uh, history. So he was, the reason why I say he's born 1954, he's Cuban uh, or Cuban-American. His folks, while uh, his mom was pregnant with him, left Cuba in 1953 and moved to New York. Now, that's an important year, 1953. Uh, Cuba has a very interesting kind of like uh, little, little history. So in 1952, there was a uh, an overthrow of the government, uh, and that overthrow was then this military uh, Batista. He overthrew the government in 1952, and then there was a revolution that started in 1953 with by Fidel Castro and his buddies, uh, and that is when the kind of the some violence started uh, restarted, I should say, in Cuba in 1953, and that's when Bob Menendez's parents left. Interestingly, in 1953, so there was. Fidel Castro and his crew started this kind of revolution. They attacked this barracks and uh, this military barracks, and they got the you-know-what beat out of them, and they were arrested and everything, and then eventually exiled. And then they came back in 1956. 80 of them, just 80 people changed the whole country. In 1956, 80 of them got on this old beat-up boat, like a small boat. They called it the Grandma. And they, they came from Mexico to Cuba, and just 80 of them started fighting the whole Cuban uh, government, like from them, there was guerrilla fighting. Um, and then of that 80, they all got killed except 12 of them. Uh, Fidel Castro, his brother, and none other than Che Guevara. And from those 12, they went from the mountains, they started gathering and they just started growing and, and convincing people to join them. And then little by little, they ended up overthrowing the Cuban government. So it was a very tumultuous time. And a lot of Cubans in the 50s uh, came to the United States, including Bob Menendez's family. And he always cites that because he said when they found him with all this money and everything, he would say things like, well... You know, my parents, they would the, have their money stolen from the Cuban government and this, that. So I was always wanted to keep things in cash so I didn't have to keep it in banks, you know, so I could kind of protect things better. Uh, so he would he would cite the, that kind of history. All right. Uh, then 
this guy, Bob Menendez, he did very well. You know, he went to college, he went to law school at Rutgers, and then right after he graduated, he became an attorney. Uh, long story short, then he eventually became a mayor, uh, state senator, and then in 1992, he became a United States uh, congressman, all right, in the House of Representatives. So he has been in Congress since 1992. Uh, that is over, well over 30 years. And a lot of people want these term limits on Congress members, right? Uh, because after such a long time, they become, you know, powerful. They learn the ins and outs. They get connections, <laughs> you know, potentially become corrupt. Uh, and so, so he's been in Congress since 1992, and in 2006, he moved from the House to the Senate, okay? He became a senator, uh, and, and uh, since 2006, he has been a senator in the state of New Jersey. Now, there's a pending criminal case against him, uh, and then these charges are very serious, uh, you know, corruption and bribery, conspiracy to commit bribery, uh, you know, uh, taking money and, and helping foreign governments, foreign militaries. I mean, it's it's very bad stuff, right? Um, and now I want to kind of explain, you know, a lot of people always ask me, you know, what does it mean? You know, he was then uh, a grand, a federal grand jury indicted him. So a lot of people ask, well, what does a grand jury mean? What does a jury mean? Like, what does, you know? So the way it works in, in criminal law, especially with the federal government, every state is a little different, but it, it more or less kind of follows the same pattern because there's the federal constitution that applies to every state government and the federal government. And it goes like this. So the government, when it wants to investigate someone, it's allowed to investigate. And, you know, as long as they don't search the person's house or they don't like why, you know, tap into his phone accounts or email accounts or anything like that, they can conduct any search they want as long as it's not intrusive. Once they want to do something intrusive, like search his house uh, or search his car, or his bank accounts and, and do things like that, they have to get a court approval. And that is the warrant. Should you let them in the house? Warrant. Warrant. Process. They have to have a search warrant. Uh, and then the search warrant, they have to prove to the judge that they have probable cause to search this person. So they went to a, ju a federal judge in New York saying we have probable cause that shows that Senator Menendez is taking these bribes and and doing favors for the Egyptian government uh, and doing you know favors for these criminal defendants and uh, and doing you you know doing these things with the Department of Agriculture for his buddies to get more money uh, you know in, in certain agricultural deals. And then once they get that probable cause, uh, they can get a judge to sign a search warrant. Then they got a search warrant and searched his house. And this is where it gets a little bit crazy. So the search of his house, they found $480,000 in cash, and it was in different envelopes and different parts of the house. Uh, and the search warrant, it's really crazy. You, I, <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say in terms of what they found. So there were other uh, defendants in this case, and those other defendants are the people that were bribing him and paying him off and, uh, and getting this information from him. Uh, so the cash that they found in the senator's house were in various envelopes, and those envelopes, when they did a DNA search, it had the DNA of those people that were uh, that are being accused of bribing them. That's really bad, <laughs> all right? Uh, rule 101, freaking get new envelopes, <laughs> all right? Anyway, 
And then uh, as if that's not enough, the money was found in jackets with the name uh, Menendez, Robert Menendez on it. Like he would have jackets that were personalized and then those envelopes with those people's uh, DNA on the envelope would be in jackets with his name on it. That is why, by the way, anytime uh, I you know do anything shady, I wear my jacket that says Zeke's name on it, <laughs> right? That's the jacket I like to use. This is Zeke's jacket, phone number and everything. That is the jacket I wear. Uh, Bob Menendez, you can get some advice here for free. Um, then they also found $70,000 in cash in his wife's safety deposit box. And his wife was, uh, you know, she was a, a big uh, kind of influencer and intermediary uh, in, in everything that he was doing. They had this, uh, she had a luxury Mercedes, a nice 2019 brand new convertible Benz that was purchased from these, uh, by these folks. They had some gold bars uh, in their house that was given to them by these guys. Now, why, what was he doing and, and what was the uh, the allegation of, of how this was all happening? So Senator Menendez is in the Foreign uh, Relations Committee uh, in Congress. And this is the particular committee. Now, committee has a bad term these days, right? With that college football committee screwing over uh, Florida State University. So he's in the Senate, the Foreign Relations Committee. And this particular committee in the Senate approves military aid to different governments. It approves uh, selling weapons and and all these other type of like military relations with other governments. So this is, I mean, and then at one point he was the chair of this committee. So he's a big deal. <laughs> all right. And as this big deal, uh, you know, obviously someone that could get like very influenced. So what they wanted to do, apparently our government, if you don't know, gives a lot of money to the country of Egypt, a lot of money, formerly the Arab Republic of Egypt. Um, and the money that they give Egypt is, and, and a lot of that is in uh, military aid. So for that to happen, uh, Congress has to approve that military aid, you know, the money that goes there. And then also this particular committee uh, has to approve it. And so there was all of, you know, these folks, this, this one particular defendant, Will Hanna, uh, Wa'il Hanna is his real name, but he goes by Will. Uh, he, he's an Egyptian fella and he, you know, was coming back and forth from Egypt and he, he became friends with uh, Senator Menendez's wife and then through that, she introduced him to the senator. Uh, and then, you know, he would ask the senator things like, can you lift this hold on the military aid to Egypt in exchange for a lot of money? OK, under the table. Uh, how do does the government allege this and what do they have? They uh, remember when I said the search warrant, they also searched phones and text messages and everything. And these folks were text messaging these things straight from the senator to his wife, who then forwarded this text to, uh, you know, one of these guys, this, this Mr. Hannah, uh, just FYI, uh, you know, a, a certain you know, a particular number that was excluded here, number of Americans working at the uh, Egyptian consulate. This is how much is staff. This is how much uh, are at the American embassy. These are the Egyptians that are working there. So he would uh, forward that to his wife and she would forward it to 
to this guy that was giving them all this money. Um, and then he would also, they would text each other things like this, like, the ban on small arms and ammunition to Egypt has been lifted. That means the sale can begin. That will uh, uh, include sniper rifles and other articles. So what that one was, was as soon as this guy met with uh, the senator, uh, there was a lift of a certain ban. And then he was like texting uh, like his cohorts in, in Egypt uh, about that. And then uh, there was confirmation when a certain hold of $300 million, there was a hold on that to go to Egypt. Uh, and then they lifted that hold. This is a text, another one from the senator to his wife, and that she had then forwarded it to, uh, you know, the this guy, this uh, Will Hanna, this kind of like uh, the the middleman with the with the Egyptian military. Uh, this is Bob Menendez, senator, texting his wife. Tell Will Hanna, uh, I am going to sign off on the sale to Egypt today. Uh, Egypt will get. 46,120 uh, millimeter target practice rounds and 10,000 rounds of tank ammunition uh, and $99 million. Note, these tank rounds are for tanks they have had for many years. They are using these in the Sinai for counterterrorism campaign. So he texts this to his wife and then texts it to uh, that Will, uh, Will Hanna fella, all right? Um, and again, you know, this is the same guy that they found all this money and all of, you know, everything from. And, and it's, it kind of details this in, in, uh, in this uh, indictment in terms of where they were meeting and how they were meeting and when they're texting each other and the dinners they go to and everything. Uh, then Hannah sends it to, you know, his cohort in, uh, in Egypt. And then that person replied with a thumbs up emoji. Um can we have like a code word here at least, <laughs> right? Let's do thumbs down if you mean thumbs up, just so we could, you know, in case anyone gets all this text messages. Uh, so so they have all this that, that they were going back and forth. And then the other one, the other thing they did with this guy, as if that's not enough, the part about the military, and, and I'm only giving you a little bit of it because uh, if I did the whole thing, I mean, we'd be here too long. Uh, <laughs> this one was... This, we'll call it the halal deal, all right? Uh, the halal deal goes like this. So in Egypt, uh, there's, you know, in the Department of Agriculture, there'll be things that are certified, you know, halal or, you know, and, and it could be certified kosher, for example, or certified vegan or certified whatever, right? I mean, same thing in our country, right? So for uh, exports from America to Egypt, they want certain things that are certain meat that is halal meat, you know, cooked a certain way or, you know, uh, the animals are slaughtered a certain way and, and, and all that, uh, like certified halal. So to get this deal for uh, a company in Egypt, it's like they were the company, the halal company, to get this deal, they would pay the senator for kind of these certain favors to make sure that that company would get the exclusive monopoly to certify uh, meat from America to Egypt, which was a very lucrative contract. Um, and then, you know, after they get that, that company would then pay off uh, the senator and his wife. Uh, that whole deal does not sound kosher to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, now, you want to, in, in the sense of the law, they really have to, if they want to get the senator in prison, uh, for life, okay, 
they better have all the evidence. So as I was saying before about the search warrant, so after they search the house and and after they meticulously get all of this, uh, the detail, you know, um, oh my God, this was another text. Uh, this is his wife texting uh, the senator and she's complaining because some of the payments that they're supposed to give her for this halal deal was taking a long time. She said, every time I'm a middle person for a deal, I am asking to get paid and this is my consulting company. So she set up a consulting company and, and then uh, the name was Strategic International Business Consultants. Uh, and then that was the company that then she would text them, oh, you have to pay this company, even though that company wasn't doing anything, right? Because other than getting the favor from the senator to give it to, to these people. All right. Um, I can't do the text. My uh, There's so many text messages. I, I mean, these people here, one of them was... Uh, it, one of the guys that was uh, helping do all of this, uh, this guy's name is Diabez. Uh, he replied when when Nadine, the, the senator's wife, was complaining about everything. He straight texted her, Nadine, I personally gave Bob a check for September. Um, and when she was getting upset, she would text uh, one person back. This one was, this is too much fun, Mateo. I am so upset. I had to count it. I am so upset. It's the S and six O's. Uh, what do you say? Mateo, you, you seem like the type of guy that writes so sorry in your text messages and stuff, huh? Oh, my God. Zeke is, Zeke is a little more to the point. Zeke would not say, I am so upset. Zeke would straight say, I'm pissed off, dude. You know, right? <laughs> okay. So anyway, me, I'm somewhat in the middle. I'd be like, hey, dude, I'm a little bummed. What's going on? Where's my money? Where's my bribe money? Um, then the best text of all, all of this was from the senator to his wife saying he responds in a text. No, you should not text or email. And how does he convey that? in a text, <laughs> right? And all of this after the search warrant and after everything, you know, the the federal government, you know, has all of this. And because a lot of these text messages don't get deleted, I, I don't get it. By the way, there's this, uh, okay, when you send text messages, did you know that if you delete it from your phone, it's almost impossible to get those? You know, it's not like, yeah, text messages are not, you know, if, if let's say I send a text to Mateo saying, stop talking, <laughs> right? Or whatever. If I text that, or better, yeah, how about this? Where's my bribe money? If I text that to Mateo, where's my bribe money, dude? Uh, if I delete it and he deletes it, then it's going to be almost impossible, if not impossible, for them to find that text. Like, I don't understand the technology, but it goes somewhere, you know, um, but the companies don't save all the text. So these folks did not delete all of these, you know. Um, OK, I can't keep discussing all the different text messages. So now I want to kind of go over uh, one one text when they finally got her the car. Um, so they got her this. Some of the other things that they did, in addition to this deal with Egypt, they were kind of like like some people were getting prosecuted for various crimes in New Jersey. So they would pay the senator to kind of lean on various prosecutors to kind of go easy on the guy or stop the investigation or, you know, uh, and he would do that, you know, and it's actually okay. This is the deal. 
Senators can do that. Like you can go to your senator and be like, can you help me with this or that? And, and they could do that as long as, one, they don't get secret money. Uh, two, it's all like kind of public, you know. Um, so it's not, you know, uh, the thing I don't like is that they could also do that and then get campaign donation. For some reason, campaign donations are not considered bribes. Uh, <laughs> you know, like there's all sorts of companies like the freaking... The New York Knicks, okay, their owner does not pay property tax for Madison Square Garden. You know, the mayor, they don't charge him property tax for the Madison Square Garden in New York. And it just so happens that he's a major campaign donor, <laughs> right, uh, to the mayor, governor, and all the other people that give him that. So that is okay. That is not a considered a bribe. But if you gave like a secret cash or these gold bars like these guys did, that is considered a bribe. What do you think? You know, that is the law. All right. Uh, so now I want to kind of go over the uh, the criminal process here. Uh, so I mentioned, you know, the, the, the search warrant. So they have to convince the judge that there's probable cause. Uh, and then in, in terms of how the Fourth Amendment, you know, no unreasonable searches or seizure. The more intrusive they want this search, the more kind of probable cause they should have to a judge. Like, so if they want to search someone's house where they live, you know, that's always the most, like, that's always an intrusive one. Uh, they better show the judge very good evidence that they collected so that they can get, you know, it's like they have to have some evidence to get a search for, to get more evidence. Uh, and then... You know, if they want to search somebody's car, it's a little less intrusive. If they want to search somebody's uh, phone records, uh, that's a little less intrusive. But but do you see what I'm saying? Like, so so all of that, there's like a, you know, there's a lot of Fourth Amendment jurisprudence about how all that's done. Now, the way the legal system works, after they get all of that information, uh, then there's what's called this grand jury indictment. And a lot of people don't understand this, uh, what this means. Okay. For them to charge some, for the federal government to charge somebody with a crime, uh, they can't just kind of have the prosecutor charge somebody. The prosecutor doesn't, they can't do that. What the prosecutor has to do is they have to get uh, this grand jury. And the grand jury, they give them all of the evidence that they collected on these various criminal cases. And then the grand jury, after they review that, the grand jury has to agree that there's enough evidence uh, for a trial. It's kind of weird. They're not saying, the grand jury does not say that these people are guilty. That is what a criminal case jury would do. The grand jury just says there's enough evidence for them to be charged with a crime. Okay, so it's like a let, it's not like beyond a reasonable doubt. They just have to say, okay, there's enough evidence to charge them with a crime. Now, this thing with the grand jury goes back centuries. I mean, it goes back to uh, about a thousand years ago in England, all right, I heard of the Magna Carta. I remember hearing about that when, when we were in grade school, Mateo, right? <laughs> Zeke, I think Zeke was there when they wrote the Magna Carta. Did you get like, <laughs> Zeke, you remember reading about the Magna Carta and current events? Okay, so anyway, so about a thousand years ago, uh, when they had the Magna Carta, so what happened was the English, you know, the royal, uh, the Brits, <laughs> the royal family, okay, they would arrest somebody and, and uh, not charge them for a long time, or they would charge them uh, with BS uh, claims just so they can keep them in prison for a long time, all right? So um, part of the kind of, 
you know, the it wasn't a full on revolution, but it was it was a, like, like a little uprising. So they get more rights. One of those rights was uh, in order for the British government to charge somebody with a crime, they have to have a grand jury, you know, uh, so that they could at least there are like citizens that are saying, OK, there's enough evidence here to charge him. So that stayed, you know, from the Brits down to the U.S. and it stays to this day. Uh, that way, federal prosecutors, for them to charge somebody like Senator Menendez, they had to get the grand jury. And then same with Donald Trump. When they charged Donald Trump with various federal crimes, the same thing. They needed a grand jury to look at the evidence. That way, it's going to be impossible, theoretically, for the defendant to say, oh, these are these charges are, you know, there's no evidence here to charge me. You're just making me waste my time and money. It's like the federal government's response is no. We we presented that to a grand jury of citizens in your area, and they said that there's enough evidence here to charge you. Uh, now, where this case is at with Senator Menendez is that it's in uh, it's been filed, it's been charged, and now there will be one day a criminal case, you know, a criminal trial. Uh, and in the meantime, then, you know, the prosecutor, the defense attorneys and everyone, they exchange information or, you know, they could plea bargain if they want, things like that. Now, the difference then is in a criminal trial, then there's a jury. OK, there's a grand jury for the indictment. Now there's a jury for is he going to is he guilty of this? That one is a lot higher in terms of what the prosecutor has to prove. Uh for the grand jury indictment, there's a saying, uh, you could indict a ham sandwich. Have you heard that saying before? You know, because the, that evidence is very low. Now, to get uh, a jury to say Senator Menendez is guilty of, of uh, bribery, you know, uh, they, they the prosecutor has to show beyond a reasonable doubt that Bob Menendez took money for his personal use uh, in exchange for favors you know, like political favors, uh, like giving Egypt all this extra military aid or, uh, you know, releasing holds or, or this agricultural deal or, you know, kind of leaning on prosecutors to uh, go easy on a, on a criminal defendant, things like that. So that one is the criminal case. Uh, and then that, you know, so, so the standard of proof there is a lot higher. <laughs> all right. Now, there's more to this particular case. Now, remember I said, right? So my goal is to teach all these things about the law, but, you know, through this interesting case of Bob Menendez, um, which he's still the senator, <laughs> all right? Um, and there was allegations, like, before this, like, several years ago, but different, you know, different kind of things, but he beat those rap. Uh, he beat that rap a long time ago, a different case. Uh, this one's a lot stronger against him, I think. Um, and my gut feeling is that he's going to a he's going to strike some sort of deal with the government, you know, because the, the evidence was too good. When you start getting DNA on envelopes and uh, gold bars, uh, you know, oh, by the way, I forgot to the gold bars. I didn't know, this, but, you know, gold bars are usually they have a, um, a serial number on it. And somehow is he you know what they mean by a lot of people flip? The theory is some of these other defendants, like what the federal government will do, be like, OK, we'll agree not to prosecute you if you write a statement saying that this was your goal bar or that you hand over and you certify that you sent these text messages and you met and you gave this guy all this cat. You know what I'm saying? In exchange for immunity against prosecution. That's when, uh, you know, somebody flips, uh, they call it. So here they have the evidence that, that the serial numbers on these gold bars belong to these these other these other cohorts that were kind of like uh, 
you know, the middleman, so to speak, or the mule, whatever you want to call it. Um, so the evidence is too strong. I, I think he's going to, the plea bargain, if you want to learn what that is, the plea bargain is, oh no, this, the government has so much evidence that I'm positive a jury is going to find me guilty. And uh, in exchange for a little bit of leniency, uh, I'll just agree to plead guilty so that that way the government doesn't have to go through the whole motions of a full on trial. And that, you know, I agree that I'm guilty and hopefully I get a little bit of a less char, you know, less charges and less punishment. That's the, the theory of the plea deal. The other part to his case is the part about him being a United States Senator. Now, in the Constitution, okay, uh, it's Article 1, Section 5 of the United States Constitution. It states that, uh, you know, in the Senate, the Senate members are allowed to punish each other, you know, maybe like a censure or a, you know, uh, whatever, like they get kicked off of a committee or, or whatever. Uh, they can make their own rules. And to expel somebody from the Senate, uh, at, they can make their own rules as long as two-thirds of the senators agree that he has to be expelled, okay? Now, because right now he's under indictment, uh, and there's very good evidence, and he's still the senator. So the only way he's not going to be the senator is if he resigns, which he's not going to, um, at, or if they expel him. Um, and to expel him, they need two-thirds of the Senate. So let me explain kind of like how the, the, the process works in the Senate. Uh, it's very important which political party has a uh, has a majority in the Senate. So as of right now, it always changes in the Senate. But as of right now, there's 48 Democrats, 49 Republicans, and three independents. Um, and there's, you know, anytime there's a, it goes 50-50, then the vice president gets that tie-breaking vote, which now it's a Democrat, right, Kamala Harris? So in order for Senator Bob Menendez to be expelled from the Senate, you need 67 senators to agree to expel him. I think all the Republicans, we got their, let's say we got their votes, so all 49 of them will vote. So you still need 18. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So even if you get the three independents, which, you know, uh, they kind of, they those three um, have ruled a little more Democrat than, than Republican, but it doesn't matter. Even if you get them, then you'll have 52. Uh, and this is very important. Then you need 15 Democrats to vote to expel him. Now, why wouldn't they expel him? It's because if they do, then the person that takes his seat could be somebody else. Well, it would be someone else, but it could be a Republican. Are you with me? Um, and then if it is a Republican, then they may lose that narrow, narrow majority, <laughs> you know, like, uh, that is our legal system. It's in the constitution. Uh, and so it, a lot of people say it's like, not, it's like unfair or, or corrupt that it would be set up that way. It's like you have senators that don't want to kick out a Democrat senator because, uh, then they'll lose their majority. So they're willing, they would prefer to have a criminal, potentially criminal, you know, under indictment senator. They'd rather have him in there than to kick him out. And you need them. You need two thirds. Uh, the flip side is, of course, the reason why the Constitution uh, drafters made it this way is because once you have somebody in the Senate, you don't want to have uh, him or her easily expelled. You with me? 
Because if it was just like a 50-50 deal, like like if you just get more than 51 people to vote to expel him, then it would be like, hey, this uh, Democrat, whatever, was parked illegally. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's expel him. Ah, no problem. You know, because we really just want to expel everyone, you know, if it's 50-50. You know, so they made it a little bit tougher to expel somebody just for that reason. Now, uh, a Republican Congress member, uh, Santos, did get expelled um, and then, gosh, I'll say this, there was, I can't believe this going on in our own. Okay. So the Senator from Pennsylvania is a Democrat Fetterman. Uh, he then hired Santos, uh, who was a Congress member that got expelled to do a little cameo saying, Bob Menendez, you suck. <laughs> Here it is. Hey, Bobby, people that want to make you get in trouble and want to kick you out and make you run away. You make him put up or shut up. You stand your ground, sir. Merry Christmas. You like that, Mateo? Uh, our Senate at work. What do you think, huh? It's it's pretty cool. All right. Uh, what do we do now? We got some dad jokes. I want to thank everyone sending a few of these. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Let's go over some of our dad jokes. Did you know it takes guts to be an organ donor? Da, 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 da. That was good, or what do you think? Was I? Uh, oh, not cool. Talk is cheap until you talk to a lawyer. <laughs> okay, this guy goes to the doctor saying, doctor, doctor, everything, everything, everywhere hurts. Uh, doctor's like, what do you mean? So the guy's like, you know, takes his fingers, puts it on his shoulder. Ah, that hurts. Ah, this hurts. You know, like, he's, he's like, every everywhere hurts, hurts. He, like, he's touching his knee. Ah, he starts crying. He's touching his foot. He starts crying. You know, all of this hurts. So the doctor's like, that's impossible. Your whole body is broken. He's like, everything hurts. Look, I'm, you know, everything he's touching hurts. So the doctor examines him and says, dude, your finger is broken. <laughs> What'd you think, dude? Come on. Mateo's giving me the middle finger. Is that mean like one star, one star being the highest? Is that why? <laughs> I thought that was funny. Why isn't Zeke laughing? Dude, Zeke is still pissed about that Magna Carta joke. Come on, Zeke. It was in your current affairs when, when it came out. Okay, one more, one more, one more. Actually, I got good news. That was all of them. <laughs> all right. See you next week.